This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Joining me on the phone is number 147-4625, Darren Smith. How are you? Fine, yourself? Good, good. Well, uh, 147-4625 um, was your moniker for about 30 days, wasn't it? Uh, yes, sir, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Darren is the author of a new book called 30 for 30, and it's the writings behind the wall. And it was for his experience at the Jennifer Road Detention Center after getting popped for DUI, presumably here in Anne Arundel County back in 2018. And um, we just wanted to talk to you about this book. It's really kind of very insightful. It gives you an inside look of you know, of, of what it's like into a local jail. I mean, this isn't a uh, a hard prison book that uh, there are plenty of, but this is something that very many of us may be, you know, hopefully not, but may be exposed to at some point in our lives or somebody very close to us may be exposed to. So I appreciate you taking the time to give me a call and we can, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the book. But first things first, you can get it at Amazon at 3430, and those are the numbers, The Writings Behind the Wall. And the author's name is Darren Smith, and it's D-A-R-R-E-N. And they have it right there on Amazon. Are you selling it locally anywhere? No, not at this at this moment. It's uh, it's just on all you know, um, internet platforms. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and if you want a um a copy of like an ebook version, you can get it on on various uh, ebook platforms as well. So I don't have it. I don't have. I, I was selling copies hand to hand. Um, but just the, t- the turnover time that that takes for me to order it and get it to me and get it out to the people, I just tell them just to go straight to Amazon just to get it so you won't have to you know wait as long. Fantastic. Well, I did get a chance to read the book, and it is fascinating. It's a easy read. It's not, uh, it's not something that you're going to be pouring over for months and months, um, and it's a really unique insight into – well, the walls behind um, Jennifer Road Detention Center. Now, a little bit about you, Darren. You are a resident of Shadyside. You've been pretty much a lifelong resident of Anne Arundel County, right? Yes. Well, so I've, I'm, I'm originally from Shadyside. I live in Annapolis now. Um, I just recently bought a home in Annapolis about four months ago. Congratulations. Welcome but to I, the neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I, I am. I am from Shadyside. That's where, you know, that's where I'm from. That's where, you know, pretty much all of my family is from. So. Yep. Okay. okay. And uh, I mean, you went to Severn School up in Severna Park. Yes, sir. You have a BS. Yes, sir, I did. Okay. First of all, we got we got to get rid of this sir business here. Sir makes me sound <laughs> so old. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Habit, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go there. I'm not ready to go there. But you graduated with a BS in psychology from Howard. Yes. And yes, yes, I did. Presum- yep. Presumably, you have a master's in sociology or social work. Uh, Social work. I got. I have a master's from social work from uh, the University of Connecticut. I graduated from there in uh, in 2013. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on those accomplishments. I know my daughter is uh, getting into working with her master's in social work right now. She's down in um, outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Um, congratulations. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> let's talk about where this book all started from. I mean, it, it had to start, and from what I gather from the book, it started on um, St. Patrick's Day in 2018. Yes. So, um, you know, I on, on Saint, early in the morning of uh, St. Patrick's Day in 2018, I was 
on my way home, I had um I had just finished celebrating uh, um a birthday of one of my friends, and I was literally you know at pretty much at my house. Um, at the time, I was living in Crofton. I had an apartment in Crofton Village off of uh, Route 3. And I don't know if people are familiar with that area, but I was making the turn into my development. And in order to get into Crofton Village from Route 3, you have to cross over Route 3. So there's like a little um, there's a little passageway that you have to crawl. You have to cross over the highway. You have to cross over Route 3 North to get into Crofton Village. So I pulled up to that to that passageway and there were a few cars ahead of me, but there wasn't any traffic coming from the opposite direction. And I was wondering why people were just sitting there. So, um, you know, I tried to bypass the traffic in order to get over into my development. And that's when, you know, the cops came, light sirens, the whole nine. I didn't, you know, I didn't see him. I didn't see him anywhere. And yeah, so that's that's when the process started. I you know I took uh, I took all of the um, the DUI tests, and I had to take the field sobriety test and everything. And I did you know I did well on those things. But then once they asked me to do a breathalyzer, that's when you know it was clear that I had been drinking. So yeah, so from that moment on, that's when you know that's when the process started. So that was in March of 2018. The whole next year was just. Um, a combination of just me going back and forth to court, court days getting postponed, court days getting pushed back. And then finally, the following year, March of 2019, is when, you know, I finally, I finally got sentenced to, uh, I got sentenced to originally to 60 days in jail um, at Jennifer Road Detention Center in Annapolis. Um, but I only ended up doing a little over 30 days. So that's where the title of the book came from, 30 for 30. Once I got the idea to, you know, I'm just going to document this entire experience. I, um, you know, I wanted to, it was like an entry per day, per 30 days that I was in there. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's where the title of, of the book came from. You know, I, I've got several friends that have had DUIs and whatnot. And, and was this your first DUI or did you have any prior? No, no, this, this wasn't. And that's, and that's, I feel, is the reason why I received the sentence that I did. And and I even highlight this in the book. I don't blame anyone, and I understand completely. You know, I kind of forced <laughs> the, the state or the county into a corner. You know what I mean? They I already shown me leniency on a previous DUI charge. Um, so I'm coming back in front of the court for the same thing. And, you know, they have to... They have to show that they mean business when, you know, when they give you leniency the first time, you can't expect them to be as lenient the second time. So for that, like I said, no one wants to be in that position that I was in, but I completely understand, you know, the reason why I was there and I take, you know, full responsibility for, you know, for my actions. You know, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And I mean, for the people that are listening here, I mean, you are an African-American and so you're, you're not playing this, uh, angry black guy um right. thing i mean you, you you've come out and said hey you know I, okay i i failed a dui test i was legally intoxicated and i got cut a break before and now i'm i'm not so this is and you decided to document your your time there um why did right. why did your sentence get reduced was that just was that just a standard type of a thing or um so it's a, a combination of things so 
once I once you know I got in, um, I was told that you know with they they have a they have a saying you you get day for day when you're in that situation. So for every for every day that you have a good behavior, they reduce a day from uh, from your sentence. So I had that working for me, and um, also I was told that once you um, if you get a job when you're in there that that reduces your sentence as well. So um, even though my sentence was short, I, you know, I made sure that I was, that I got a job when I was in there so that that could reduce my sentence in any way. Um, I was told that it may not, because my sentence was so short, I may not even be able to get hired because my sentence was, was you know, I had such a short sentence. But, um, you know, they, they pulled some strings and they were able to get me, uh, um, you know, uh, a trustee position, a job when I was in there. So that, that helped as well. That helped reduce my sentencing as well. Nice. Cur- curious to you was, and I don't know whether this is a thing in Maryland. I know it is up in Pennsylvania, but did they, were you given an option to serve this? I mean, you were employed, you work for Washington DC government and, yes. um, you work for the department of child and family services, yes. um, doing what, I lovingly tell my daughter is the worst job in the world, but probably one of the most um, <laughs> rewarding, rewarding ones that you've got. But did they, was there an option to serve this on weekends or anything like that? Like to turn around and say, okay, fine. We we're, you're not going to do 30 days in jail, but we'll let you do 26 so, weekends. And in this instance, there, there wasn't because my previous, the previous DUI that I had, I did weekends. So I kind of already exhausted that option. So okay. this this point in time was, you know, you have to you you have to serve your time, you know, um, all the way through. So right. So you're not you're not che- you're not checking into a, a really crappy hotel for the weekend. Uh, right. Exactly. This point, you're here. You're here for you're here for the duration. Now, I exactly. mean, when when you're at Jennifer Road, I mean, they have the they run the gamut of of inmates. That they've got, they've got the folks like you that are are educated, employed, great citizens, and doing some time for a DUI. And they have, you know, uh, Jared Ramos who blasted away at the Capitol and killed five people. Right. Um, you weren't in. Were you in there with like general population to use a a cliche phrase, or was that something? Did they separate the lesser crimes? Yes. So. So it's all it's all general population, so to speak, but they do have uh, different um, different levels of of where they would of where you would be housed, and that they they do an evaluation on you once you, once you initially get in, and that determines which level of inmate that that they'll deem you. So you can be either a minimum minimum a minimal risk, medium risk, or maximum risk. And that's all determined by, like I said, what you what you're in there for, the crime that you the crime that you committed, or the char- what you were charged with, um, your previous your prior criminal history. All of those things factor in as to where you know what what level you would be. You know they would they would give you. So I was thankfully I was minimal risk. <laughs> so yeah. um, you know I I I wasn't I don't I wasn't housed with you know, individuals who, who committed, you know, crazy violent crimes or anything like that. That are looking at years and years. Yeah. But that's the, you know, that's the, the process of how 
is deemed where you'll be housed and who you'll be housed with. They, it's they, based upon your what you're charged with and your prior criminal history. You know, I've got to think that you know, anytime you get involved in on the on the wrong side of the judicial system. Um, whether it be for a DUI such as you had or whether it be a more serious crime, it just has to be one of the most impactive things in your life where, you know, oh, my God, is my life over? You know, what goes through your mind? I mean, what gets you through the time when those lights flashed in your rearview mirror up in Crofton in March of 18 to um, April of 2019 when you walked out of the finally walked out of the doors of Jennifer Road. I mean, what what got you through all that? Um, that's a that's a great question. So I well for for one, I'm I'm a big believer in I'm a really big believer in God not putting anything more on a person than they can bear. So I always I always keep that in my mind. Um whatever whatever I may be faced with, whatever I'm whatever I'm going through at the time, I always, you know, try to try to um keep that resonating in my mind that this is something that was placed upon me as a test or something that, you know, I'm some type of challenge that I may need to overcome. And it's something that I can do because I don't think God would have put it on me if I wasn't able to overcome it. Um, so I always, like I said, I always think in those terms. And also, I mean, for, for my particular situation, I, you know, I keep things in perspective as well. I knew that I wasn't going to be in jail for, years and years and years um you know i was my, my my situation although it was unfortunate it is it was fortunate in a way that i knew that i have a date that i'm coming home i'm not going to be in here longer than 60 days so it just it was just up to me kind of just gritting my teeth and just having to do what i have to do in order to to make it through that um there are individuals in there who who've been in there for, you know, two years, three years, or whatever their situation leaves them being in that position. But I also, like I said, I knew just to, at the end of the day, keep it in perspective because you're not undergoing, your your situation isn't as harsh as someone else who may be in this this environment. You know, I I kept that in mind as well. And um, also just, you know, the, the, the hard thing was with, you know, it was with my job, being that my job was in limbo at the time. Fortunate enough to still work where I work and do the things that I love to do. But, you know, knowing that my job was in limbo at the time, that was the most difficult part because, you know, I there's a chance that I may come home to not having a job, not having the resources that I worked so hard to attain over the years. But once, you know, it was made known to me that I would you know, I would still have my job and that I would be keeping my job and that I would have employment when I returned. That made all the all the world of difference for me. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's got to be huge. Yeah, that's that's literally that was the scariest part for me. Of course, no one wants to be in jail. You know, and of course, I was scared initially when once I was in there. But the real scary part was me thinking about coming home and not having employment and having to look for employment and, and kind of having to start from square one after years of, you know, working myself up to, to where I am now. Um, that was, that was extremely scary. But like I said, once I, once it was solidified that I would be, you know, I would be keeping my position. I was fine after that. Well, I've, I've got to say kudos to, I don't know whether it's DC government or whatever, or whoever, 
handles that for being able to do that because you know that they they know your background they know a what you're capable of i'm presuming because they allowed you to keep your job and they obviously i mean you couldn't just like i mean if you get sick for a day they're like hey where's darren you know, you're gone for a right, month. That's exactly. like, you know, it's a little bit different. Exactly. So, so obviously they had to know what your situation was. Yes, and, they did. And that's, you know, that's something that you hear about all the time is that somebody gets a DUI, gets somebody a, a shoplifting or some other kind of a minor offense that gets out. And with Ion Annapolis, we've done a number of stories where people have made, and I don't mean to make light of it, but made a bad decision. Okay, you made a bad decision right. to get into the car drinking after after drinking. Um, Absolutely. And I, I, I am a huge believer in redemption and forgiveness. And I do this. I mean, people will call me and say, hey, man, you know, this story you've got on me when I got involved with this up at Rundle Mills Mall is, uh, you know, I've really turned my life around. I, I did my time and, and I'll, I'll check it out. And I, as soon as I see that it's legit, and I mean, I'll check and see if they've, you know, got nailed for three other crimes to see, make sure they haven't. If it looks clean. Absolutely. I'll delete it. I'll scrub it from the social media and, and, and everything else because you hear time and time again, somebody, and there's a commercial that's playing on CNN incessantly now. It's like, well, oh, Darren, can you explain this DUI? And right. you know, that, that, would, that would haunt you forever and ever and ever. So this is fantastic that um, your job was able to, to remain for you while you, you know, paid your, paid your price. Right. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, very much indebted to them and I'm very appreciative of them, you know, um, allowing me to stay because, you know, the position that I have, I know a lot of people, they, they seek it. It's, it's a lot of applicants for the position that I have for the agency that I work for. So knowing that I was able to, to remain, like I said, I'm definitely grateful for that. Yeah. Your family, they were all supportive of this and the, yeah, through the whole time, or and your friends, and- yeah, very much so. But and that, that's another thing that I should have said initially with, with the past question was uh, with how I was able to to make it through the situation. I have a very extremely strong support system, um, and always have been. I've always had that that support system from you know from my mother to my close friends to my girlfriend to you know aunts, uncles. I've always had very, very great people in my corner to see me through whatever situation, you know, I'm going through. So now when you got this other DOI, your mom didn't come and grab you by the ear and <laughs> yell at you and slap you and say, What the hell? <laughs> no, see and that's and, and that's funny. It is funny that you say that, but you know, my mom isn't she's not like that. Um, you know, she she asked me, she, you know, said, Darren, you know, do you do you think you have a problem? And that's a that's a sound question to ask given the situation. And I told her that I did it, and I don't, you know, think that I do at all. But yeah, she, you know, my mom has always been the type of person to, you know, for, for one, I'm grown, so I, I make my own decisions, and you know, I have to deal, I have to deal with the consequences of whatever decisions I make, whether they be positive or negative. And she always talks on that. As long as you know that. As long as you know what the consequences of your actions are, and they're always consequences, whether positive or negative, then, you know, I, <laughs> there's not too much more I can say. I'll always be there and always be supportive, but I'm not the one who has to go through with whatever consequences follow with whatever choices that you make. So she, that, that's the type of mother she's always been. 
She's always been there to, you know, to guide my decisions. Um, but ultimately, I, I've always had final say so. Good on your mom. Sounds like yeah. a, sounds like a <laughs> wonderful woman there. Thank you. Question for you. What was it like? I mean, okay, you had a prior DUI, so you did the weekend thing, which uh, you know I jokingly said was like checking into a crappy hotel. Um, right. I mean, what what was it like? You know, in jail for thirty days. I mean, this is, you know, you're you're getting outside during the day for a little bit, I guess, but you're in the in in presumably a a very small cell with a roommate and uh, the open toilet, the open sink, the whole nine yards for a whole month. I mean, what was it like living there as a as somebody who someone could reasonably say doesn't deserve to be there, that sounds pretty elitist and whatnot. But I mean, you know, let's let's face it. I mean, you never expected yourself to be there, right? Um, so yeah, it was it was definitely different <laughs> from you know from what I'm usually accustomed to. Um, people, you know, people who know me, people who've been around me, they know that I like I thoroughly enjoy my freedom, you know, and I move. I move freely. I've, you know, I've traveled. I do a lot of traveling. I do a lot of different things. So just being and just being confined for one is, you know, it's very, um, it's very tough. Um, having someone, another, another human being, having pretty much control over you, telling you when you can wake up, when you can eat, when you can go to sleep, um, when you can use, you, you know, those those different things. When you can watch TV when I can go, if I feel sick, when I can go see a person in, in, in medical, those, those things are, you know, it's very different from you just being able to get up and just go and do what you want to do. So, you know, that was, I would say that was one aspect. Um, you know, just also just being, we're not going to shoot, like this still is jail. So you still have to be cognizant of your whereabouts and what you're doing and um, who you're speaking to. Um, just being aware of your safety, how you speak to people. Um, that's something that I highlighted in the book as well. You know, your 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 manners and the way you conduct yourself is heightened even more to me when you're when you're in a space like that, because you don't know who you're around. Um, you know, you don't know what this person is capable of doing. So you have to mind what you say, how you say it, and how you conduct yourself. Like if you, if manners, if manners and how you speak to people and how you treat people are big on the outside, which they are to me, um, you know, it's even, it's even more on the inside because, you know, you, you say some, you say the wrong thing to someone <laughs> in, in this environment, who knows what could happen, you know, <laughs> and I'm, you know, and I don't, I don't go into any situation trying to be, you know, the alpha person or with going, going anywhere with, with my chest poked out, or I'm just trying to get through this time and do what I have to do and get home. I don't want any issues. I don't want any, I don't want anyone to bother me. So I don't bother anyone else. So with that being said, I just try to respect the people around me and respect the spaces around me. And that, you know, in turn, you know, gets reciprocated. So just, just, just being mindful of, uh, of those things. Of course, it's, it's nothing about it. It's comfortable. Um, you know, you don't you don't have your, your TV where you can where you can watch anything you want to watch. And you don't you're not sleeping in your own bed. Ever, ever, nothing, you know, sleeping wise and just being in those in those confines. Nothing about it is comfortable at all. And I guess that's the the reason for it. They don't want you to they want you to think twice before you end up in this situation again. So I guess it's purposely designed to be like that. Sure. So I get it. But um, 
Yeah, so just, you know, those, those are some of the things that I noticed would be different. Um, of course, you know, the whole bathroom thing, um, just being mindful of that and not having the privacy that you're used to having, um, not having the, you know, the different luxuries that you used to having, your television, your, you know, your, your phone, not being able to weed the things that you'd like to weed on a daily basis and not being able to, to wear the clothes, the, the different clothes that you that you like to wear. So all of those things, you know. You, you know these things, but once you experience it firsthand, it gives you a different insight into it. And it, and it gives you a different appreciation of not wanting to be in that situation <laughs> again. Question for you. If you and I were going out for dinner, would you have a drink? Um, yes. Yes. Are you more mindful but, of what you're drinking? Yes. I'm more <laughs> mindful of, of the amount that I consume. I'm, I'm more mindful of the amount that I consume. And I'm also more mindful of, you know, how far I have to travel to get to my final destination from where we were. So I'm definitely, you know, taking into account those things more than what I than what I did previously. Right. Well, if anybody's just joining us, we're talking with Darren Smith, who's the author of a new book called 30 for 30, The Writings Behind the Wall, from his 30 days at the Jennifer Road Detention Facility here in Annapolis. And I got to say that you're very brave for telling your story. And I, I thank you for sharing this because I think this is a, a you know, pardon the pun, because you were in there for DUI, but it's a very sobering tale for somebody to read to see how fast, you know, what is comfortable and what is normal for you can tumble out of control. And I mean, Absolutely. granted it took you a year to go through the system, but still it's, uh, you know, there you on St. Patrick's day, there you are, you're celebrating a birthday, not yours, but you were out, out celebrating a birthday. And then a year later, you're walking into Jennifer road detention facility for 60 days, not knowing whether you have a job when you leave in 60 days, not knowing, you know, really what your friends or family are going to think, whether they're going to cast you off and like, oh, my gosh, you know, no, he's the guy that was, in, you know, and, and all of this, I mean, it's just absolutely got to be terrifying. And I, I thank you for the story and I thank you for the bravery for for doing that. Um, the book is available at Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. It's called 30 for 30. And if you um, actually you can just search 30 for 30, use the numbers and on Amazon when you bring it up the next book is 30 years behind bars and it's not that one this is only 30 days thank, <laughs> thankfully right <laughs> thankfully um, absolutely you know the cover does look like the old-fashioned um composition book that you used to get in maybe elementary and middle school probably brings back flashbacks to many people and right. um a question for you darren have you gotten any feedback on this book from the county or anybody at the at the jail not as of yet i i, I actually have um, a friend of mine, he actually he works and he works as a uh, as an officer in in Jennifer Road Detention Center. So I saw him when I was there. Oh, that could have um, been awkward. <laughs> it, it, it could have. But, you know, at the same time, he's seen other friends that he's had in the same situation. People who whatever they made a mistake, they're there, they're whatever, paying their debt. They're doing what they have to do. And then, you know, they 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 go on. Um, so kind of and kind of seeing people in the same position that I, you know, that he saw me in. So it wasn't it wasn't really awkward at all. Um, he was just doing a job and he also understands he knows me and he knows that I made a mistake. And this is just a part of correcting that error. But he uh, he he told me that, um, you know, that he purchased it and that other when, you know, the article that came out about the book and the paper and the capital. He said that there were other people that he just saw other people in the jail reading up on the article. 
He didn't tell me what he thought about it yet, but he did tell me that he that he purchased it. You know, thus far, I've gotten, you know, pretty, pretty good reviews about it. People enjoyed people like um, how insightful it is. They appreciate how insightful it is, the way that it's written. It's written just in a just in a journal style. I just wanted and that's how I wanted to present it. Just I wanted you I wanted the reader to feel like they were there with me. So, you know, I tried to present as much detail as possible, but also write it in a way that, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a conversational style writing, you know, to, to just to make you feel as though as if you're, you're reading through an actual journal, you know, how a person will write if they were writing, if you read a person's actual thoughts in, um, in, in, in a journal. So, well, if that's what you were looking to accomplish, you did very well because, I mean, that was one of the things that I've got down here on my notes that I was going to say is, and it doesn't seem like uh, this was Stephen King writing this book at all, that you aren't a professional author that's, you know, on his 10th book or whatever it is. This is this is the real world, um, the real world behind the walls exactly. of Jennifer Road. Do you have any more books planned? I'd imagine your um, job probably has the ability to give you lots of content for them, but um, – yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't have anything planned at the moment. You know, different people have asked me, you know, so when's the next book, or do you have anything else that you're working on? Um, I don't at the moment, but you know, that's that's not to say that there may not be something that may come along in the future. I mean, this was something that you know, it was it was easy, it was kind of easy to write to put on paper because I had the entire experience. You know, I had it day for day. I kept, you know, I kept my notes while I was in there day for day. So this was easy to to put out. So, you know, I guess I just have to just live and experience more. And then, you know, that'll provide me with more inspiration for uh, for things that I could possibly, you know, for other stories that I could possibly put out to the world. So, Well, I'll tell you, I don't think the book is considered terribly uplifting, but I think it would make a wonderful holiday gift, a fairly inexpensive one. I think it's $17 on Amazon. Not the most uplifting Christmas story, but it's uh, certainly uh, one worth reading. And it gives you some insight to what it's like behind the walls. It gives some insight to what happens when a, um, you know, a, a, a very well-educated, employed person gets, you know, pop or DUI because they made a mistake. And um, it's something that could happen, that did happen to you. It could happen to me. It could happen to your buddy that's uh, working as a guard in the jail. As well, so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not something that's out of the realm of anybody. I think uh, check it out. Amazon, you want to search thirty for thirty, and Darren Smith is the author here. Um, Darren, thank you very much. Congratulations on the book. Uh, congratulations on getting this all behind you. And you. boy, once again, kudos to DC for you know really seeing beyond the uh, infraction. And into the person to be able to, you know, make sure because there's, I think there are very few employers, uh, unfortunately, that would, uh, I don't even want to say take a risk, but just say, yeah, no, I just don't want to deal with that hassle. Uh, It'd be very, it'd be very easy to say, yeah, okay, bye. Kudos to Washington, D.C. on that one. Um, Darren, thank you very much. And uh, again, everybody, Amazon.com, 30 for 30, the writings behind the wall at the Jennifer Road Detention Facility. Darren Smith, thank you very much. Thank you. Like I said, appreciate you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at IonAnnapolis.net. 
Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at IonAnnapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.